0: Hey everyone, welcome to this special guest edition of the Powerhouse Podcast. I am so excited to have one of my heroes on the podcast today, Pastor Hope Carpenter. She is one of the co-founders of Redemption Church, where she and her husband pastor, and is the author of an incredible book called The Most Beautiful Disaster, How God Makes Miracles Out of Our Mistakes. I cannot wait for you guys to hear her absolutely wild story, something that I can guarantee you, if you just look at her social media, you would never Never guess is her life's testimony. She gets so real and so vulnerable. Um, I've actually used her book to counsel a lot of our clients just based off what she even taught me and the pain that she went through, how she handled it, how to uh, service your emotional needs, some really big ticket things that you need to learn for your own life and to heal from the different things that we walk through. So I'm so honored to have Pastor Hope on the podcast. Can't wait for you guys to meet her, follow her on social media, and with that we'll get right into it. Okay, everyone. Well, as you just heard in our intro, we have Pastor Hope Carpenter with us today. I'm so honored to have one of my personal heroes in the faith and women in ministry, women in general, here on the podcast today. And I, you guys are just, let me tell you, going to be delighted to hear her story and her perspective and everything that she has to offer. So Pastor Hope, thank you so much for being on the Powerhouse Podcast and welcome today.
1: Thank you so much. It's so exciting to finally meet you. You know, Instagram (laughs) makes you feel like you're just best friends anyway with people on
0: there, but to get to finally meet you, it's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. So I want to start off with, for those of you who somehow uh, don't know who Pastor Hope is, I'd really like to just launch in deep into your origin story. Um, So again, people heard a little bit more on the intro of how successful you and your husband have been, but you know, life is not all just shiny uh, unicorns and bubbles and rainbows. And so let's just dive right in and hear uh, how this book even really started and kind of the, the origin story.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, we'll have to go back you know, I won't be one of those preachers that says, well, well, when I was three years old, I'm not going to take you all the way boring back like that. But, uh, it, it, you do have to go back to explain, you know, how you ended up where you are, because I do believe that every adult problem is an unresolved child problem. I believe it with all my heart because of the power of sowing and reaping, you know, whatever is sown, then there's a season and then there is a reaping. So, I also believe that whatever's put in to a child, you know, the Bible says that everything that comes in is going to come out. We are a product of what's in our heart. So uh, as a child, we don't even understand what's being put into our heart. And then when we get adults, we get big people. We're like, oh, why do I have all these issues? And why am I drawn to these types of people? And why do I have all of these anger problems? And why am I promiscuous? X, Y, Z, all of those things. So I was brought up in a Christian home. Um, And I think that's also kind of tricky. You know, we've talked about this. You know, you're brought up in a Christian home, a spirit-filled home, and you think everything's supposed to be rainbows and butterflies. You know, when you do X, Y, Z, and you get things right. Um, You question so much. You're put under the microscope. You are judged. Um, You're supposed to be perfect. You know, because that's what Jesus wants, right? Jesus wants us to be perfect. No, 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 no. We're going to bust a lot of myths today. How about that? Uh, So I was brought up in this home that was so strict. Uh, That's what they called it, strict. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) we laugh about it today. My parents would have gone to jail in 2022, (laughs) you know, for how I was raised you know, the blood running down your legs, the switch, you know, just a lot of abuse. But but truthfully, honestly, they had the right heart, wrong head. Uh, they did want me to be a good girl, but that type of abuse and punishment, and man, it just just started a performance-oriented lifestyle for me. You know, I thought I had to be perfect. And then I was afraid of the punishment. So what happens when you're afraid to be punished and you're a child, you lie. So it set up lying patterns for me when confrontation would happen. You know, I was just in my mind, I'm getting tickled because I thought, you know, I am throwing out so much honesty right now. People are probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, You know, she's sitting here saying she, she lied. Yes, I sure did. Because I'm trying to break All of these things in in the listeners' lives, you know, because freedom is why Christ came for us, right? John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And how many of us are not living that abundant life in church? So I had all of these patterns set up for me. Then I was raped when I was 15. 15. Did not tell anybody, uh, surely couldn't tell my parents because it would have been my fault. You know, I'd have gotten in trouble for it. So I had to bear that weight and that shame and that confusion. You know, did I do something wrong? Did I bring this on myself? Was it really rape? You know, it wasn't violent. I wasn't be, I wasn't beaten up. So long spirals, all these spirals performing then i'm 18 years old and i get out of the house and i think if i can just get out of this house go to a christian college everything's going to be fine i meet my husband the most wonderful specimen on this earth to me and you know here he is dribbling the ball down the basketball court with this blonde hair waving in the wind and i'm like oh my goodness yes jesus Hallelujah. And (laughs) I'm like, he's mine. And we do, we fall in love and we start dating. Um, I don't tell him any of this stuff because I'm still in performance mode. Okay. It's even on stronger because he's studying to be a pastor. You know, he's going into ministry. I got to be even more perfect. So I didn't come from a pastor's home. My dad was a deacon in a church, but um I knew enough to know, you know, you gotta straighten up, fly right, you know. And if you're feeling it, you sure can't say it, you sure can't portray it. Um so we get married and go into ministry, which was very traumatic. Um I came from a house where, you know, we weren't rich by no means. My dad was an electrician. My mom was an accountant. But we, you know, we could go out to eat and we could go shopping. You know, we go on vacations. Ron comes from a family that was in ministry and Pentecostal holiness ministry. And very pitiful, you know, no faith, (laughs) thinks that God wants you broke. I did not come from that. And so it's like a train wreck. I have this rape in my history. Ron has pornography in in his teenage history. We are a train wreck about to happen. So here we go into ministry. No money, no counseling. Don't know anything about any of this. Performance orientation and just things just start falling apart on the inside. Okay, sure can't say it. Ron thought we had a perfect marriage because we didn't argue. (laughs) I sure wasn't going to confront and rock the boat because you don't do that, you know, the way I was raised. So he thought everything was perfect. So at 35 years old, when the steam just came out, it's the sowing and reaping, what had been put into me all these years, I could not live like that another day. And I woke up that morning at 35 years old. We'd been married 15 years, three children. ministries thriving, growing at this point. We're on TV all over the world. You know, we finally can go go out to eat, you know, and it not be a hot dog. Um, Things are going good, but I wake up and I'm like, I'm miserable. How confusing was that to me to look around my life got a great husband, got a great church. I am
0: miserable.
1: So that day, and we laugh about it, it's all in my book. I tell it all, but I went out and did three things. I bought a bikini bathing suit. Ooh, we don't do that in my world. I bought a, a three secular CDs. We didn't do that either. And I bought a six pack of beer. I'm going to hell now, right? In a, On a slip and slide. I mean, yeah. I've crossed all the lines, right? And so I went out and I drank that beer. I put on the bathing suit and it felt so good. Hmm. It felt so freeing. Um, after years of counseling, I mean, going forward, years of, I, I have learned there's a term for that. It's individuation. And that is what should have happened to Hope. 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, where you touch your fingers to the stove, get burned, learn a lesson, you know, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. But I never had that opportunity. Everything was told what I could and couldn't do. It mm. never came from a place of, of authenticity of learning lessons and growing up and letting the leash, you know, get longer and longer, the older I got. Mm. And then when I went into Ron's world, it was the same thing you know, I had to live under that lid of ministry and being perfect and being at everything and kids have to be perfectly quaffed and I have to be over the women's ministry, you know, all the ministry stuff. Yeah. So that at 35 years old, it just, all oh, I just came spiraling down. I could not perform another day. And so I, I did that that day and I describe it as, you know, just turning slightly off the path that I was on and but then that path led to nine years, nine years of going down that path, living, living a double life. Hmm. So what I thought was letting off steam actually made the pressure worse because I loved Jesus. Hmm. I loved him so much. And it put more pressure on me because I hated what I was doing. I was letting the steam off of all these years of childhood, but I was putting more pressure on me because I was disobeying God. Yeah. I ended up, you know, having an affair and had to hide that. And oh, can you imagine being on a worldwide stage, you know, still having to perform and be good at home and raise your kids and do your job. And then the, the pressure of the double life and loving Jesus with all my heart. Yep and loving my husband. That's so hard to describe. People are like, so you did love your husband? Absolutely. I loved my husband because the problem wasn't my husband. The problem was me.
0: Yeah. Amen.
1: It was all me, you know, going sideways and trying to figure out life. And so in 2013, I just could not take it. And I, so I came to my husband, a series of events had happened where you know, it was just about to spiral out of control. And so I came to my husband thinking that, you know, he's going to be my knight in shining armor and save me from all this. But, uh, you know, it had been rough for nine years. It wasn't just total hiding. We were fighting. We weren't getting along. He had noticed I was living different, dressing different, wanting to go out with my girlfriends, go on girl trips, blah, blah, blah. It was just, it was a lot of turmoil going on in the house. And So when I came to him in 2013, he said, you got 30 minutes, get your stuff and get out. What? I had no idea. And listen to me, girl. I went into my house and I got, you know, at this point, we're not living on welfare anymore. (laughs) You know, we had gotten some things in life. So. I went and got my best stuff. I went and got my Louis Vuitton luggage. (laughs) I got my gold jewelry. I got my good stuff and put it in there. And I said, Ain't no other woman gonna have my good stuff. She can have my Target stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I didn't know what my life was gonna look like. And the saddest, one of the saddest things to me was I went and got all that good stuff, put it in the back of a Range Rover, and had nowhere to go. Hmm.
0: So in that moment, what, when the, when the glass box finally shattered, you know, your husband announced it to the church. It was not looking like there was going to be restoration. Did you come to a place of surrender for the first time, total surrender? What was going through your mind in that moment? And then where did it go from there? Cause obviously it didn't stay there.
1: Yeah. I see. So here's the thing. Here's the tricky thing about trauma um, we don't know what it does to us. We don't know the lasting effects. And, and because nobody talks about it in church, yep. and especially me, the church me and you grew up in, in a faith church, nobody talks about pain and trauma, abuse, hurt, you know, yep. phony hearts. We got to say the right things, right? We got to spit out all the right scriptures. We got to, yep. you know, call things that are not as though they are. But the truth is, you know, we're sitting here with a cold and we got grain boogers coming out of our nose, and they're saying, No, you're not sick. Yep. Yeah, Hallelujah. yeah, I am. I, I'm I'm pretty sick. But that's the way we are internally, too. Don't yeah. say you're sick, but we're so sick. So and it makes you feel crazy. Yep. Because you feel like I'm doing all they're telling me to do, but why am I feeling like I'm feeling? Yeah. So your question is, you know, did you really surrender for the first time? I felt like I surrendered way back here. Mm. I'm sold out to God. God. I want to do what you want me to do, but why mm. am I feeling all, why am I going through all this? I, I sold out to God. I wanted to serve him. I wanted to, to go into ministry. Me and my husband were like, when we went into ministry, it was like storming hell with water pistols. We didn't have much knowledge, wisdom, or money, but we wanted to go reach the lost. We wanted to yeah. love everybody. We, we wanted a multicultural church. We wanted to love the unlovable. Yeah, I mean, we were sold out, but I, I had so many issues that I brought into adulthood that's so sabotaged what I was trying to do for God. And that's where so many people are. It's not a question of selling out. It, it's a question of getting your heart healed from yes. your past trauma, from from soul ties. Yep. People don't even talk about stuff like that, about breaking soul ties. You know, just, I could go, we could talk all day. Oh, amen. About getting healed, you know? yeah So here I am, I had nowhere to go, but I remembered this ministry in North Carolina that we sent the other crazy people to, (laughs) that we sent the other broken people to, you know, the, the island of the broken people, you know, there's the broken people and then there's the faith people. Wow. So we sent all these broken people to this, to this ministry. And I thought, you know, everybody in my phone Everybody in my scroll in my contact list works for us Mm
0: -hmm. or they're
1: on the same level or, you know, I have nowhere to go because I'm the one who's wrong. They're going to side with Ron. It was just a terrible, traumatic time. Wow. But I called this ministry called living waters ministry in hidden Knight, North Carolina. And I told them briefly what had happened. I said, and I just need somewhere to come. I need a bed. And they were like, open arms, come on. You know, I get there. I'm like, I don't want any ministry. <laughs> I just need somewhere to sleep. And they were like, sure. Loved me, just started right there. The ministry of loving unconditionally just welcomed me in and the next day, the little lady, Denise Fox came in and she took her little sweater and she says, well, you ready to get started? And I'm like, started with what? You know, I had no idea what was going to happen to me. And at that point, Ron had no hope, he gave me no hope of reconciliation whatsoever. I mean, he was like, no, he had a lawyer at the house like two days after I left and. To him, it was he's like I love her, but I can't live like this anymore. And up to that point, we'd never really been taught about you know inner healing. Because again, nobody talked about that. It was, you know, present perfect faith forward. So he didn't know what that looked like, or if I even could be at that point. We know Jesus is our healer, but nobody talks about mental illness or mental healing or counseling we believe everything happens at the altar right you know you come down here and you sham a ding dong over people and they <laughs> get up the same you know most of us just get up the absolute same yep. and still got our issues because everything can't be you know just spoken in tongues over a yes. lot of things have got to be worked out yes it was a process for me from that moment forward. I lived at this ministry place at this ministry house. It's a house. And I lived there for nine months. Wow. Just trying to get to the bottom of me. What made me tick? How did I end up here? How, you know, why did I feel the way I felt? And it was just, it seems so simple now. You know, I helped so many people through healing the heart and and working through trauma and issues. But then I thought, how, how on earth am I ever, you know, I didn't even know if I'd ever be in ministry again. I didn't know if I would hold a mic, but you know what was so profound and so powerful for me is I remember a prayer that I prayed where I told the Lord, I said, if, if I, if you don't even restore my marriage, if I'm never in ministry again, God, I need you to heal me. Mm -hmm. God, I need you to heal me. And that started the process that day of just pulling all my pain and all my hurt back layer by layer by layer and dealing with it, putting it on the table. I mean, seriously, I got writing boards. I remember one day she said, now I I got three of these, you know, black and white, these writing boards. And I want you to go back and ask the Lord to help you remember every trauma and every pain that you can remember. I'm like, what? you know, I'm in my forties at this time. She's like, Nope, we're going to write them down. It took me days. I had, I had boards going around a room. I mean, just from simple things of being embarrassed at school, a girl, a little girl in second grade telling me my shoes came from Kmart and I was, and I was, um, you know, my family was poor, you know, just little things that came up that I can remember that were stones in your, in your heart. Yeah being the the spankings, you know, I would just, she asked me to name every traumatic event that I could remember. And then it took, we had to go one at a time. What did that traumatic event say? What did you say to yourself, Hope, while that was happening, after it happened? So those are vows. Those are lies that you are taking to be the truth. Now, Hope, we've got to renounce the lies. Over every event. Yep. And now we've got to replace it with the truth of what God says about you. Yep. This yep. took weeks and months and months.
0: Yeah. Amen. And I cannot tell you how much that resonates with me. Being raised in a very faith-filled environment has obviously a million benefits, but I think yes. one thing that is never acknowledged is that things take a process sometimes. And it didn't take you overnight to get this way. So it's not always going to be overnight to heal. And, you know, whether and you talk about so many amazing themes of, you know, obedience-based performance mentality, legalism, codependency, the 10 emotional needs, you know, these things that just are so practical and life-giving. And I believe that, you know, everything comes from God, obviously, right? So like these tools that we use in the practical world and the secular world are not outside of what God wants us to integrate, right? Because they ultimately came from him, right? Like God created us with those 10 emotional needs. God created us as humans who have emotions, who have a soul, right? We have to redeem it for the Lord, but it's not just something overnight. So I'm curious, like, how did you take, those steps over those nine months, what were some of the other major things that you felt like were things that you needed to heal that you had internalized messaging? Um, you even talk about the illusory truth effect where things that you would told yourself for so long that you needed to undo. What were some of those other things that maybe we can encourage our listeners and that they might be dealing with as well that you had to undo or relearn while you're in that nine month period?
1: Well, those 10 emotional needs are huge. You know, there's so many more emotions but I, those are the 10 major categories. There are other emotions that come under those. And we, would, we spent weeks on the 10 emotional needs. Um, that, that part was so life-changing for me. Um, to, to have to go back and evaluate my childhood. Um, now, first let me say, because I know people are saying, oh, so are you blaming your parents? No, I am not blaming my parents. My parents, all parents fail because we're imperfect people. But my sinful response to my pain, right, is what I did. But there was pain from my childhood and we all have it. And we have to either get healed or we'll have simple responses, which will lead to sin, which will take us down spirals. So I'm not blaming my parents but my parents and i did have to have several counseling sessions come to jesus meetings where i had to sit down and say you hurt me you know and, and they had to own it and yeah. i had to say this right here i carried through my life because xyz what you did or didn't do yeah you know my parents were so strict like i said but on the other hand my mom took me to dance lessons piano lessons voice lessons um Page. I was in pageants. I did modeling. I did etiquette. None of that works for me now. The etiquette, you know, that just throw that out the window. But um, I, yeah, I'm I'm not being fake anymore on any level. so on. um You know, on that level, they 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 wanted me to to have the best life.
0: Yeah. You
1: no, know, they they gave me a lot of great things, but you know, acceptance. Mm, not so much. Yeah. You know, my brother was very smart naturally, like he could read something and, and parrot it right back to you. I had to study, on the other hand. So, my mm-hmm. brother made like straight A's most of his life through school. And I would make A's, B's, and some C's. Well, that was never acceptable. Even, I mean, even as a little girl in school, I remember one of my teachers said to me, Well, why can't you be smart like your brother? Mm. You know, that stuff affects you. Yeah. Yeah. So I would grow up thinking I'm not smart. Well, after Ron and I separated and he told me I needed to go get psychiatric evaluation. (laughs) Uh, And I probably did. I mean, I got the ones where they make you look at the black and white and say, what do you see? You know, I've been through all of that, the big, thick reports. And it comes out, you know, I mean, I was actually scared to get those back. Yeah, but it came yeah. back that I was actually a borderline genius. I'm like, who knew? You Come know, on. Who knew? I was this smart, wow. but I've been told all my life that I wasn't.
0: Wow. So how did you, how did you take the performance mentality and start to unravel that? Because again, that's not a, I mean, that's not an easy process either. And I think so many Christians deal with that because it's this, they have no understanding of grace, even if they think that they do. I mean, God's been taking me through this, even the last couple of weeks of just like what truly is grace and what does that mean? Does it, you know, it's like Romans seven, it doesn't mean I sin all the time, but it's like, what the heck am I doing? So how did you even start to unravel that? And what was that process like?
1: That was a long process and I still work it out today. I think it's mm-hmm. just a journey. You know, I call it a healing journey. Yeah. You know, it's been 10 years since all of this happened. So, um, and I'm still on a healing journey. I think if we will always keep that in our mind that, you know, we never get to this place called there
0: of yeah. spirituality
1: yeah. where we got it all down pat. You know, I think that was also such a revelation to me that, you know, There's no perfect place. He didn't die for us to be perfect. If we would have been perfect, he wouldn't have to come and die anyway. He had to come and take our place because we weren't perfect, because we would never be good enough, because we're only righteous in him. The On our very best day, our most philanthropic day, our most speaking in tongues day that we know all the scripture day, still filthy rags, Yeah, still filthy rags. And it was such revelation to me that all he asked us to do was to press toward the high call.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a high call, but the only thing he told us to do was to press toward it every day. Mm. I press toward the high call of God. So what is press press is hard. Press is not easy. When I, I have to put effort and strength to press something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it is a daily effort to get myself together, to not flip people off, to not <laughs> cuss people out, to not, you know, to love like Jesus says love, to yeah. be like Jesus. And, and we're going to fail We're going to fall. And, you know, even doctors will tell you, you know, talking about heart issues, doctors will even tell you not to run hard, not to run long if you got heart issues. Wow. Ooh, that'll preach. Because you will fail, because it will kill you. You might fall down and and just fall out on the race. Ooh, I feel (sighs) the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So- that's why we fall because we have heart issues. We have pain. We have issues. And Ezekiel says this, it says, he wants to give us a heart of flesh for a heart of stone.
0: Hmm.
1: What is a heart of stone? It's a, it's a heart that can't feel. It's a heart that can't receive. It's a heart that is just going along this journey, but you never, and you're doing your best, but you're, but you can't even receive the love of God. You, you just like what? I feel like I'm going through the motions. Yeah. But He wants to give us a heart of flesh, a heart that can feel. That is so His will for us. He did not come that, you know, He He did not come that you know, to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came that we might have abundant life, 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 life. And so many of us are not living this abundant life. Yeah. And that is so my heartbeat for people because I lived it for so long. I lived this, this life, this fake life of trying to do it in my own, you know, and, and not knowing the real freedom that Jesus really offers us. And it's real. You don't have to fake you know, that, that's that performance stuff. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday about prayer. Every Wednesday morning on this new social media app called Riff, R-I-F-F, I do um, Wednesday morning prayer. And I said, you know, prayer, people have such misconceptions about prayer. They think you have to get in a certain position mm-hmm. and you have to fold your hands. You know, you got to have your prayer time. But yep. Jesus told us, he said, pray without ceasing. You know, pray without that. It's a relation. It's like my husband. I don't have to say I need to make an appointment with you. And every day at four p.m., we're going to have our talk time together. It's when I see him coming down the hall, I grab him and I hug him. It's in the morning. You know, we we talk when we're walking through the house, and that's what relationship is. That's the way Jesus wants us to have our prayer and our relationship with Him. It's doing life with Jesus
0: and Him doing it us yeah but you know people don't,
1: we're not taught that we're taught rules and regulations
0: 100 and i i mean i would venture to say that i think in 2022 that is one of the biggest epidemics in the world of Christianity. I think that luckily there's more and more conversations being had about it. And I think you're a huge trailblazer in that, which I'm so grateful for. And now you've been able to open do- the door for other people to be like, Oh, it, Oh, you know, and to have these different revelations. I know in my own life, we were talking before we started recording just about feeling crazy because the Holy spirit speaks to you. Like he does, he tells you right from wrong. He's the sharpening of the two-edged sword the the word is. And so I think for women specifically, sometimes we're, we we have to be these good Christian women and we have to be these faithful women and these homemakers and spin 9,000 plates. You know, right now I'm running a company, planning a wedding and I just bought a house last week. So I feel like there's 5,000 different plates spinning. And I, I'm so, so you grateful. Have,
1: so you probably have your pajamas on halfway down.
0: Oh man, girl, if I wasn't wearing a dress, 100%, like literally, um, I had to go in public. Otherwise, absolutely, that's the game. Um, but seriously, and I, I remember God had to do something in me about a year ago where I had, I had a whole nother layer that had to come off, not just because of the trauma and, you know, relational abuse and these different things. But then God was like, okay, girlfriend, like I made you this loud, like excitable, like positive human being. And God's like, So I wanna be that with you. Like I wanna be in every single part of you, like every just relationship that's free. And I remember um I met one of my good friends, Justice Enlo. Her parents are prophets. Um, they're awesome. And well, she was Miss Tennessee when I was Miss Nebraska last year. And I remember she's somebody that God brought into my life just to teach me that on like a whole new level of like Mm. freedom and these different things. So I'm curious, one thing I wanna ask you is since you've kind of blown the lid off of this and been such a trailblazer, is there like a a unique story or multiple stories or just even a a common theme that you have seen as you've shared this with women um, that you're getting responses back of that's like been the most significant part of the book or most significant aha moment? I would love to hear that.
1: Wow, Uh, the most significant I think the most significant and the most testimonial thing that I get, and I get them just flooding in every day right here. And um and it so just blesses my heart is the honesty. You know, hearing somebody just be honest. Um and I get it because I lived, you know, so many years with no honesty. And, and I feel like so many people are living that way, even in their marriages. You know, people won't speak up and say, I don't like, people don't talk. We don't feel free to talk and be honest. I'm not talking about be mean, be ugly, you know, be crass. I'm talking about just truly being, having honest conversations. Nobody does that especially on you know as powerful as the internet is today because we get so judged and there's so many people who have so many opinions and and yep. it's it's just it's scary to be honest but for people to say I'm so grateful that you have been so honest on so many levels that it has freed me uh you know to to go to my husband
0: yeah. or
1: to hit counseling or to go to my parents and and that's the goal That's the goal because we're all struggling on so many different levels. You know, mine's different than yours. Yours is different than the next woman's because we all did or did not get something growing up. So it, it affects us.
0: Yeah. I'm curious about this too. Um, And I definitely want to make sure that people know how to connect with you and your husband after this too, because I'm just thinking of all the people that may not know how to take a first step to engage in community or a good church that like actually talks about this stuff. So I want to make sure that we do that, but I'm curious as you're going through this process and even just over the last 10 years, how has your relationship with who God is changed Um, and what new revelations have you had of him? Listen, I don't think I
1: had a clue who, who he really was. Wow. Um, I truly did not understand unconditional love, the agape love of God, because all I'd ever known was performance-based love. You know, I was loved for what I did, not for who I was. And that is so opposite of how Jesus loves us. Yeah just loves us, you know, on our good day, on our bad day, when we get it right, when we get it wrong and, and growing up, we don't get a lot of that. You know, we, we get love and affection when we do right. Oh, you did so good on that test. Oh, you won, you know,
0: yeah.
1: oh, you straighten up your room. It's amazing. Here's a treat, you know, Yeah. but we are, we never get the real unconditional you know, your, your, kid brings home the 69 on, on a test. No, we get spanked or we get, you know, punished or whatever. And yes, there has to be rules. There has to be standards. Yes. But you know, what would, what would it look like in our homes if we grabbed our kids with the 69 and just hugged them and loved them and said, man, that grade does not define you. Yeah. That grade does not define you. There's so much brilliance in there. And mom and dad are going to help you figure it out and pull it out.
0: We don't get that. Amen. Yeah. Especially not in America too.
1: (laughs) No, no. So my relationship with the Lord is so sweet and it is so special. Um, It's transformed. It really is. I feel like I completely got saved again and started over in 2013 because it was so new and fresh. The revelation of God was like brand new to me, Hmm. brand new.
0: Yeah. I feel that one thing that God has done in my life in the last like year is the scripture where it talks about his kindness leads us to repentance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like so beautiful. I think we like for some reason. I think even being a church kid and being raised with a, in a Christian home, sometimes, you know, whether it's the performance mentality or just wherever, if if you just want to say it's straight up, the devil coming to steal, kill, and destroy. I think in a lot of us there gets this implanted word where we think that we, we forget that God's not the accuser of the brethren, that the devil is, you know? Yes. And so I think once you can learn that God is a God of kindness and unconditional love, and that he it says whom the father loves that he corrects, when you actually like internalize that and can understand um, the differentiation of the different voices, um, yeah. that's something really, really profound. So for the sake of God yeah, does it a- different. Amen to that. Um, so for the sake of time, I definitely want to end. I feel an anointing on you praying over people specifically that might have performance-based love that they need to get rid of and, and unconditional love just praying over that. But one thing that I want to make sure that we end with is the kind of the redemption story. So like we kind of left off of, you were separated from your husband, nine months learning and growing what happened after that. And kind of how did God bring things back together. And now in an imperfect, well, you know, but awesome love filled environment, there's restoration. Um, I'd love to end with that. And then we'll have you pray for yes, everybody. Absolutely.
1: Well, about two months into our separation and Ron was not relenting at all. He was like, <laughs> we're getting a divorce and I'm sitting here and, and I was okay with that. I really was at first. I was like, Jesus mm-hmm. just heal me. Do something in me. I can't live without you. I can't live this way another day. I just need you to fix me. But about a month into it, when the light bulb started going off and I started getting revelation and i was starting to get some healing. Um, I was like, Oh, Hmm. Oh hell no devil. No, 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 no. You are not going to God's not going to heal me. And you're not going to steal my marriage. You yes. know, I know what God wants for us. I know that we're supposed to be together and I know we're supposed to just suffocate you
0: together. Yep. Yep.
1: So I started believing for my marriage and I just started praying for my marriage. I was fasting for my marriage. I was writing our three children and telling them, don't listen to your daddy. Believe God with me. Don't listen to your daddy at all. We got to stand together, unified. We got to agree together together. And so I started believing and God got him. God Mm. got Ron Carpenter. He, Ron tells the story. He says, I wrestled with God all night one night. And he Mm. said, I just kept saying, no, no, no. And God said, do not abandon her. Do not abandon her. So he called me. I tell the whole beautiful story in here, in the book. But he called me the next day and And I was afraid to answer the phone because our conversations were always horrible. They were fighting. And so they said, Ron's called. I answered the phone and I had been praying for a miracle. I'd been believing God. I was just like, God, I don't even know what to pray, but so I'm only going to pray for a miracle. I need a miracle. Mm -hmm. So Ron calls, I answer the phone and he says, hope his tone was totally different. Yeah. He said God told me to call you and tell you that I would not abandon you. When he said that, Megan, I fell forward on the table like this, just that ugly cry, screaming. And Ron was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He was like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. He said, but I just know God told me not to abandon you. I said, I know what it looks like. I got my miracle. But literally God did something in that moment And he started coming up to where I was every two weeks and started doing counseling with me. And man, that's a whole nother story. What God revealed in in him, in our marriage, in that counseling. And uh, we started dating again. I went home for Thanksgiving, saw my family, uh, went back home for Christmas. Just amazing love story of God just sweeping in and doing only what God can do. You know, he he just came in and filled all the gaps um, and restored our life. You know, he didn't just restore our marriage. He restored our life. And uh, here we are 10 years later. We've been married this year, 32 years. Wow. um, Five grandchildren. I just turned 53 last week. And I am living my best life, girl. Come on. I'm telling you, I feel like I could just take on troops, jump over walls. And I'm, we're so happy. Is it perfect? No, it's life, but we are so happy. Uh, we're coming from an authentic place. Yeah. God's doing some really neat, special things in our marriage, in our ministry, in our family. He just continues to blow our mind and I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful for him.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing that. I would just love to close this out today and then we'll, we'll make sure people can get in contact with you guys. Just praying over people in several different, you know, phases of life. Maybe you've, you listening, I've never had an understanding of unconditional love, the agape love of God, God wrapping you in his arms and just saying, Hey, baby girl, even if you mess up a million times, like I'm really here and I love you just as much, but also I feel led to just to pray over people, maybe who are in a season of singleness or in a marriage where they're not transparent with their loved ones. And just, um, just praying that they would be able to come to that place of honesty and to heal their soul before, you know, they get entangled with someone else's life or just to start today. And no matter what you've done or where you are today is the day of, you know, newness and and wholeness. Um, So I'd love for you just to pray over everybody listening. Absolutely. I thank
1: you, Jesus, that um, we can come boldly into the throne room of grace in our time of need, thank you, God, that uh, you are so near, that uh, we can just walk in and wrap our arms around you, and you wrap your arms around us. God, you meet us right where we are. So, God, there's so many, a vast array of people listening on so many different levels of hurt, pain in their journey, in their life, and in their ministry, or in their business, and but God, I just pray that you would just illuminate to them today and that you would just show them that you created them for more, that you created them for this abundant life, that it is your will that they prosper and that they be in health. But, comma, to the, to the same degree that their soul prospers, that their soulish man, their mind, their will, their emotions, their intellect. God, you're so concerned with our mind. You're so concerned with our emotions because our prosperity and our health parallels it. Yes. God, I pray today that today by listening to me, that you would spark something in their life that they would pursue wholeness, that they would start a new journey today. Of this abundant life, of digging down into their to their mind, into their emotions, and and deciphering God, what's right and what's not right, and what's from the enemy, and what lies they've taken to be the truth. Lord, I pray that you would soften their heart, God, yes, as God. they re, as they identify pain after pain after pain, so that you could pour in the oil and wine and minister to them. So that you could pour in that unconditional agape love that they could really, really, really know that they are so loved, that they are so special just for who they are, just for who you created them to be. Not for what they do, not for how much money's in their bank account, not what they look like in a mirror, not what their body image is. But God, just for who they are, who you made them to be. And Lord, I pray that this blessed people, that it blessed the hearers, God, that it sparked a hunger for freedom. Yes, it God. sparked such a hunger to be free that they can't live this way another day. Yes. God. And I believe you to do it, God. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And I, I trust you to do it in the name of Jesus. And I believe we're going to hear testimonies of the great work you're doing in their lives in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Hope. Um, I know you guys have a new podcast. So excited about that. And where else can people find you? Social media, all that good stuff.
1: Yep. The podcast is, you know, Apple, Spotify, all those great things. Um, We're getting great, great feedback from that. Um, Instagram at Pastor Hope dot carpenter at pastor hope dot carpenter they're all different it's so crazy facebook (laughs) is at pastor wait a minute pastor hope c yeah and riff which is a very secular um platform but we are the first christians on riff we are so excited about that so it's at pastor hope on riff Um, I have a YouTube channel. Ron's got a YouTube channel and our website is myredemption.cc. I would love to uh, minister to you or come to your church or women's event and just bless your people. Whatever
0: I can do to help you live this amazing life that God wants you to live. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And everyone go grab her book, The Most Beautiful Disaster as well. It will bless you. Thank you, Pastor Hope, so much for being on the show today. And with that, everybody, we'll see you next week. Hey, guys, Coach Megan here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Powerhouse Podcast. We're so honored to have you wherever you are near or far away from the great metropolis of Omaha, Nebraska, where we are from. We are so proud to be your virtual coaches. If you could just share this with a friend that you feel like needs to hear this today, give us a five-star review if you haven't already, and click that link below in our show notes. We promise we are the nicest people. We are the nicest people, we promise, and we'd love to meet you, and we'd love to to figure out if you're a good fit for our programs or make a suggestion for a different coach, different consultant, different person. That's a professional in their field that can help you. The reason why we do it this way, actually, because a lot of people ask is because we want to help you practice the elements of being a great title holder from the very beginning. And one of those things is vulnerability. One of those things is being a self-starter. One of those things is being able to reach out and cold email, cold call, cold DM somebody that you don't know because of the potential opportunity on the other side of things. When I was Miss Nebraska and Miss Nebraska USA just letting y'all know that's how you get media that's how you get appearances that's how you get sponsors is being willing to put yourself out there and so we want to help you practice that from the very beginning learn more about you and discover um, if we can help you and we'll point you in the right direction for one of our services programs and the right coach for you otherwise we will absolutely make a best suggestion for you in a different direction so at the end of the day we're not territorial about needing to coach every person in the world we just want you to find your right fit so that you can make your dreams come true and unlock the winner within you. Anyways, just wanted to encourage you guys in that today. Again, leave us a review. DM us um, on Instagram at any of our handles. And with that, we'll see you guys next week.